WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Well, a good morning time right now, 819. You're tuned to WGNS on this overcast Tuesday morning, today, March the 8th. And our guest this morning is Dr. Jessica Crowder with Ascision Medical Group, St. Thomas, New Salem. And New Salem is one of the newer offices, I believe. It is. I think it's been around eight to five years, but it's one of the newer offices around uh, town for sure. Starting off this morning, kind of give the listeners an idea of what you do day in and day out, and, and what kind of patients and cases do you see each day? Um, so I'm a family medicine physician, so uh, family medicine is the broadest uh, scope of any of the specialties. So we're trained um, womb to tomb, so we do prenatal care, some of us do, uh, and we also do all the way up to geriatric care. Uh, currently, I see cradle to grave, so I see nine months and above. Um, so if you're older than nine months, I will see you. You uh, see a, a huge variety of, you know, patients with all sorts of ailments, it sounds like. It, yes. Uh, so I see kids um, who typically don't have very many problems, and I see very complicated adults who have uh, comorbidities that make it a little more challenging uh, to treat them, though certainly not impossible. Are you seeing a rise in anything other than, of course, COVID-19 and issues surrounding COVID? Are you seeing an increase in anything here locally? Um, we're seeing a huge increase in uh, depression and anxiety. So mental health has um, been very key in treatment of my patients recently. That subject of mental health, it's interesting because it, it can mimic so many other problems for an individual. I mean, you can feel real physical problems because of it. You can. Depression can cause a lot of fatigue, cause concentration issues, um, motivation issues, can uh, cause physical ailments. Anxiety can do the same thing. Um, so the best example I can give is when you have that test or you're nervous about something, your, your stomach starts to feel like has butterflies in it or you get that nervous feeling. Um, so anxiety can definitely cause physical symptoms. It seems like depression is one of those things where there is still a lot of research to be done. And there's a lot of, I guess, unanswered questions out there by scientists and doctors all throughout the country and the world, really. But a lot of the medications prescribed for depression, they take about six to eight weeks to even start working. So that's got to be frustrating for a patient. It can be frustrating, and we have to let the patients know that these medications don't start working immediately. Um, though there are other ways to treat depression and anxiety besides medications. So I often give my patients uh, various options based on what they personally prefer. So some patients really don't want to go into medication. You can do therapy um, for those patients, uh, which ha takes time as well. But there's also a lifestyle modifications that you can do. So exercise is one of the best things you can do for depression and anxiety. Increases blood flow to the brain, um, which helps with depression because you can utilize your own serotonin much better after you exercise. And that's what the medications that we use for anxiety and depression do. They help you use your own serotonin, which is that hormone that helps you 
uh, regulate your mood, uh, helps you utilize your own serotonin better. Um, there are some supplements that may be beneficial as well. So there's multiple options besides medications to treat uh, anxiety and depression. I know everybody reacts to different medications totally differently, it seems like. And, and that's, that's one of those other issues is finding the right medication if medication is the path that you want to take. Right. And it's kind of with the, the antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, it's kind of like throwing noodles at a wall. You just kind of see, have to see what sticks. So everyone does react uh, differently. And one medication may not work for a different patient that worked for one patient. Do you think that the whole COVID thing and staying at home, is that what led to this increase in depression and anxiety as well? I don't think it helped. Uh, so certainly... Uh, people are more isolated uh, with work from home. Um, that can be uh, a detriment to, to mental health, um, though there are patients who don't have any problem with working at home and not having that social interaction. Um, but I don't think COVID helped our situation in regards to mental health at all. Definitely. And, and what are some of the more serious problems in, in dealing with depression? Uh, well, obviously... If you're having any suicidal thoughts or wanting to hurt yourself or anybody else, that's the most dangerous thing about depression. Um, so if you're having those thoughts, whether passive or active, please go see your primary care. We do treat um, a whole host of mental health, um, and we just want to see you get better. So that's the, the danger, the, the big danger with anxiety and depression. I, I know Psychology Today reported back in, uh, well, it was 2021 throughout the pandemic and everything. Um, one of the options that folks are trying these days are ketamine infusions in order to help people who are fighting, fighting depression that is, you know, that fight's not working with just medication alone. So they're trying new things. Absolutely. Um, so there's new things that uh, are currently being studied. I don't know much, too much about the, the ketamine infusions. It's not something that I offer here in the clinic, um, but certainly we're seeing some good results uh, with that so far. And what are some of the other screenings that you are doing more of, uh, you know, in, in today's climate? Well, with COVID kind of um, in our society now, uh, we're going to have to learn to live with it and deal with it. So people are starting to come back to their primary care for their annual. So we're doing a lot of annual exams, annual blood work. Um, so it just depends on, you know, men and women obviously are not going to have the same screening exams. So we're doing, for women, a lot of pap smears, a lot of breast exams. For men, um, it just depends on their age, which screening they would fall into. Again with us this morning, Dr. Jessica Crowder, and you are at the new Salem office of St. Thomas, located across the street from Publix, is that correct? It is, um, across the street from Publix and that uh, Walgreens over on New Salem. Kind of give us an idea of some of the other problems that those who live here in Rutherford County and the surrounding areas are, are facing or battling, because it seems like a few years ago, one of the big things we heard about was the Lone Star Tick and people getting Lyme disease and and then becoming allergic to things like beef, pork. The medical field is interesting, especially when you look at things like that. I mean, an insect bite leading to allergic reactions to beef, of all things. Yeah, so that's an alpha-gal uh, allergy. And I don't honestly, I don't see that too often. Um, we see our bread and butter, so a lot of high blood pressure, um, a lot of high cholesterol, diabetes, 
obesity, those are what we primarily see. So what you're talking about are those zebras that come every once in a while. So not everything is a zebra. Most, most things are common. Yeah, you, do you remember the show, uh, the, the house, I believe it was called, with the uh, doctor who always had these really rare cases come in? Yes, so <laughs> this is not a house situation. He had all the rare occurrences. No, I do not see that typically in my office. So life really isn't like that in the medical field where you're getting all these rare things coming in every single day. No, my life is certainly not like that. There may be people out there, but no, I typically treat uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, mental health on a very regular basis. High blood pressure is one of those things that is silent. I mean, there are, I guess, some warning signs, but for most folks, there's not a lot of warning signs about high blood pressure. No, it's a silent killer. So you don't know if you have high blood pressure if you're not checking it. Um, There are some people who say, well, I I get a headache and then I know that my blood pressure is high. Um, If you're having physical symptoms and your blood pressure is high, that's dangerous. Um, So blood pressure really is a silent killer and we need to be making sure that we're getting it down to a normal level because increased blood pressure will increase your risk for heart attack and stroke. You know, I I hear some people say my ears feel hot or my face feels hot. I don't know if that is always a sign of high blood pressure issues, but I'm sure there's a lot of other things that go along with such feelings of your ears feeling hot or your face feeling hot. Um, Certainly you can have some uh, physical symptoms, but usually they're not associated with your blood pressure. Sometimes those are due to other things uh, that we need to be ruling out. Um, so again, you don't really know you have high blood pressure unless you're checking it routinely. Anxiety is another one of those issues. It falls in the category of uh, mental related problems with your health that can also mimic a lot of other problems too. It can. So anxiety can, uh, give you high heart rate. So you feel like your heart is fluttering. Um, again, it can make you have diarrhea or you feel like you're nauseous. Um, so anxiety can definitely have physical symptoms. As more and more folks have stayed home from work and actually worked out of their house, did folks start eating better or did you see a decline in the way people started eating and, and exercising? What, what did you see there? Overall, uh, we've seen a decline. Um, so it's hard to, to have a healthy diet and lifestyle and I understand that. Um, but we recommend getting at least 150 minutes total of some sort of moderate physical activity per week. Um, That's usually 30 minutes, five times a week to get your heart rate up. Um, And then eating a diet that's rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, um, trying to limit your processed foods. Those those are the recommendations that we have. And uh, COVID, again, with all the stress and anxiety and mental health, we've seen uh, people kind of fall off the bandwagon, which is okay. We can get you squared away and get you back to where you need to be. And again, folks can text us questions they may have for Dr. Jessica Crowder, and you can text us those questions at 615-893-1450. Dr. Crowder, if it sounds like I'm jumping around, it's because I'm going to get to some of these text messages, and they may be kind of random for you. But one of the text messages that we've already received, it's asking about STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, especially in the high school age group. Are we seeing a problem with that? And if so, is it an increased problem? And what are the issues with it? I don't think we're seeing an increase uh, in STDs in our younger population. Uh, We certainly screen our younger population more often for STIs, uh, so sexually transmitted infections, Um, but we're not seeing an 
necessarily an increase. Um, so proper sex education uh, can help mitigate those STIs, making sure that they know about uh, barrier methods and keeping them safe. And again, what is an STI versus STD? So they're the same thing, but an STD, so that was what we used to call uh, STIs. So STD is sexually transmitted disease, but there's a stigma when you use the word disease. So we've switched to saying um, sexually transmitted infections because infections can be cured. Diseases don't necessarily have a, a cure. Okay. And the next question here, and again, folks can text us any question they may have, 615-893-1450. This question, uh, really more like a statement, but I guess they're looking for some help on what to do. It says, my 13-year-old constantly has sickness issues to where his uh, temperature is around 100 degrees or sometimes 101, but yet he doesn't feel tremendously ill his temperature just continues to to go up and down uh randomly what could be the issue that's a good question um i would recommend first you need to be taking him to his pediatrician to be evaluated but you also how are you taking those temperatures so uh the most accurate way would be a rectal which most people you know i'm sure your 13 year old is not going to want to do that Um, but the next would be an ear thermometer so the ones that touch the skin, I don't think those are very accurate. Um, so you have to get a more accurate way of monitoring his temperature. So is he actually having an increased uh, body temperature, or are we just having an error on the machine? How accurate are the thermometers, you know, the digital thermometers that we buy at the local pharmacy where you press it against your forehead or rub it across your forehead, and it gives you a digital reading of your temperature? Um, I don't think those are as accurate as, again, the rectal temperatures or the, um, the thermometers that you can place into the ear. Um, so if you sit in front of a heater for a long time with your forehead near the heater and you try one of those surface thermometers, you're going to have an elevation in your temperature. Um, but when you cool off, it'll be fine. So I think that you can have a, a huge variation when you use those. So we just need to be making sure we're using a more accurate method when we're talking about someone who has an increased temperature routinely. Again, with us today, Dr. Jessica Crowder with Ascision Medical Group, St. Thomas, a new Salem office. And for anybody listening, if you have any type of medical question, you can text it to us, 615-893-1450. Next question here, it says, Dr. Crowder, I've heard of lifestyle medicine. What is that and how can it help me? Yeah, so lifestyle medicine um, is treating things like high blood pressure, hyperlipidemia or high cholesterol, um, obesity, treating that with lifestyle and dietary modifications. Um, So that is trying to avoid medications when we can and treating through exercise, diet, um, sleep hygiene, mental health. Um, So certainly that can help you in a variety of ways. So can help your mental health, physical health. Um, there's also some supplements that sometimes can, can help in that regard as well. So lifestyle medicine isn't necessarily um, new to medicine, but we're now focusing primarily on lifestyle modification for patients who want to pursue those avenues. Again, Dr. Crowder on the air with us this morning. If anybody has any questions related to 
pretty much anything medical, text it to us, 615-893-1450. This next question deals with, it sounds like, hormone issues. It says, I am a 42-year-old female who has recently been told by my doctor that I have hormone issues and they don't really elaborate on what they are but it says their doctor has put them on several different types of medications but it says I still feel extremely moody and depressed is this definitely something that could be tied to the hormone issue so that's hard to say without knowing your complete history um, and what all is going on Um, So hormones can cause a variety of mental health issues, but if you're not getting better on your current treatment, it may be something else. Um, So you need to follow up with your physician and tell them how you're you're feeling um, because you may need a a different treatment. It's interesting how hormones really can impact, I guess, the way somebody feels in areas that we don't even think about as just the common citizen out there. So what are some of the issues that people can feel or issues that you see with hormone-related problems for those 40-plus? So for women, for sure, there's uh, menopause. So average age of menopause is 51, though you can go into early menopause and you can certainly go into later menopause past 51. Um, But there's also perimenopause, which is where your hormones are fluctuating um, about five five years before you actually go into menopause. So you can have mood swings, you can have hot flashes, you can have fatigue. Those are normally associated with menopause, and we can certainly mitigate some of those with medications and hormonal therapy. Uh, For men, men usually do pretty good. They don't have as many hormonal changes as as women do, um, but certainly decreased testosterone can lead to decreased libido um, and other issues. So on the female side with hormone-related problems, can hormone therapy... For somebody who is having hormone problems, can it change a personality to an extent? If somebody has been feeling extremely depressed, then they get on the proper medication. Can it change somebody that much? We can see huge improvements, yes, if we get someone on the right hormonal therapy. Now, not everyone is a candidate for hormonal therapy, but most women are. Um, And we can certainly see improvement in physical symptoms and mental health if we get them on the right dose. And this next question, it looks like along the same lines, but for men, it says, I am hearing so many and reading so many commercials and advertising bits about testosterone treatment and testosterone treatment for men. How big of an issue is low testosterone these days? That is a good question. Um, So you have to be careful when it comes to um, people who are advertising hormonal treatments outside of your doctor. Um, I do think that some of these are a money grab. So not everyone needs testosterone therapy. And there are issues with or are complications that you can come up against with testosterone therapy. So testosterone is going to increase your risk for uh, heart attack and increase your risk for stroke. So we definitely have to be monitoring your levels pretty frequently. Um, I wouldn't just give someone testosterone um, without a medical reason. So if your testosterone levels are normal and you get testosterone on top of that, whatever symptom you're hoping to treat is not going to be treated. So if Uh, the testosterone levels get too high for a man, what happens then? And then what happens if they get too low? um, So too high, you can definitely have increase in anger, uh, aggression. Again, heart attack, stroke is the big risk with testosterone. If it's too low, you can have low libido. um, And that's fatigue 
is a big one, um, some depression when it's too low. Again, Dr. Jessica Crowder on the air with us. And if you have any medical-related question, definitely text it in, 615-893-1450. I'm going to go ahead and read this next text. uh, But before you answer, let's take a break, and then we'll come right back. But the text message deals with, it says, a recent diagnosis of Hashimoto's disease, which I'm sure a lot of folks out there don't know what that is. So maybe when we come back, let us know, is Hashimoto disease something that is common in today's society? And and what is it? Dr. Crowder on air with us this morning. We're going to take a short break. We'll check on that forecast. We will be right back. Time right now is 841. You're listening to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Again, a check on the forecast. Just a second. Right here on WGNS. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. By growing up in the restaurant business and being always around it, it was just something that was just second nature to me. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in it. I I didn't understand and appreciate all that my parents sacrificed in order to provide for us. And now I'm very thankful and and I'm very appreciative of the foundation that they laid for me so we could teach others to create what they have done to make it more of a legacy than just a passing of the torch. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas' Restaurant. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. Whether you're a brand new hobbyist or have been into aquariums for a long time, we have all of the supplies to either get you started or keep you going. One of the best things about coming to Animal City is the knowledgeable and caring staff. We are here to help you with all your pet needs. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. We'll see a few spotty rain showers possible late this afternoon with cloudy skies, a high in the mid-50s. Southeast winds between 5 and 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 38. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. It was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La. President Truman had the presidential party up there. We all would eat uh, three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side, and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, 
President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. Five Star Building Solutions, Tennessee's leading commercial cleaning service, professional disinfecting and fogging services. Visit BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com to learn how Star can clean and sanitize your office or church today. Again, BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com. When the unexpected happens, fire, water, or storm damage, Fair Construction can help. Fair Construction is also there to help when a car slams through the wall, and that seems to happen more often these days. I'm Ron Hall. Let our family at Farrah Construction help you. Call Farrah Construction and we'll board up, put down tarps, secure your home or business until the insurance coverage is approved. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 8.46. Our guest this morning, Dr. Jessica Crowder with Ascision Medical Group, St. Thomas, New Salem. That's the office that she works out of. Again, let's go back to our question that we just had right before the break. I'm going to read you the whole question here. Mm -hmm. It says, I have recently been diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. The word alone scares me. I've not had the chance to talk to my doctor more about it. And my follow-up appointment with her is not until Friday, which is when she will, I'm assuming, start my medication treatment. Yeah, so it's always scary to get a new diagnosis. Hashimoto's, that's the scientist that discovered this thyroiditis. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis, while it sounds pretty scary, that's just the gentleman's name. Um, And it's a chronic autoimmune thyroiditis. That's one of the most common causes of hypothyroidism or low thyroid um, in iodine-sufficient areas of the world. Um, It's more prevalent in women. Um, Prevalence increases with age. About 10% of the population can be expected to get it. It is treatable, um, though it does need medication. Uh, This is not something that we can treat with lifestyle or dietary modifications. This is definitely something that can be treated with medication, it sounds like. Does it cause lifelong problems? And does the medication really help somebody that much? The medication, yes, it certainly does. So what happens when you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis is your own immune system is attacking your thyroid or attacking one of the various um, thyroid uh, antigens that you have in your body. Uh, So blocking your immune system from Attacking your thyroid can certainly help. Um, supplementing your thyroid with thyroid hormone will certainly help with the symptoms. Sometimes surgery becomes an option, though if 
the medication is working properly, we don't have to do surgery necessarily. Again, Dr. Jessica Crowder on air with us this morning. Next text question here, it says, I have constantly battled fatigue. I've tried testosterone treatments, had multiple blood lab work done, and everything looks good and has looked good for years. The only problem is I continue to battle fatigue. It says, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia five years ago. But this, regardless, I guess, of the diagnosis, and hopefully they had some medication prescribed. I don't know what you do there. Uh, It said, but this is ruining my quality of life. Could it be adrenal fatigue? Is that even a real thing? So adrenal fatigue, um, there's still research going out of there. So I I can't comment on whether that's an issue that you in particular are facing. Chronic fatigue is a hard one. So lots of things can cause chronic fatigue. Um, Certainly, if we're not exercising, that's going to cause fatigue. How much sleep are you, are you getting? How much caffeine are you drinking? How much water are you drinking? What's your diet like? Um, so there's lots of lifestyle things that we can change to help you with your fatigue. Now, fibromyalgia, fatigue just comes hand in hand with that. So if you have fibromyalgia, it does make treating fatigue a little more difficult but not impossible. If testosterone's not helping, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If you have normal testosterone levels to begin with, giving you supplemental testosterone is not going to help. Just like some people think that if you're taking a B12 vitamin, uh, you're going to get more energy, but it doesn't work like that. If your B12 levels are normal, supplementing with B12 is not going to help. Vitamins like B12 or let's say vitamin D, how helpful are vitamins like that for somebody who is low on those? So vitamin D, we definitely, most people are low in vitamin D, especially now that we work indoors. A lot of us aren't getting the proper sunlight. Uh, So low vitamin D can certainly exacerbate fatigue, and it can exacerbate depression and anxiety. So taking a vitamin D supplement is something I do recommend. Taking a good multivitamin, I think, has some benefits, though honestly you pee out most of the vitamins that you, you take. But vitamin D for sure, calcium for women for sure, a good multivitamin doesn't hurt necessarily. I don't know how much it helps. So you say vitamin D does help with depression or was it vitamin B12? Yeah, vitamin D, if your level is low to begin with, um, so you will have fatigue, sometimes it can worsen depression and anxiety. So getting your vitamin D to a better level um, will certainly help with depression and anxiety and fatigue. And this next question here, it says, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea in 2005. Have a sleep apnea device that I have used for years, but I still get up tired daily, and I am not obesely overweight. Obesely overweight. Uh, And it says they still get up tired every morning, even though they've been using their sleep apnea machine since 05. Again, we have to go back to how much are you exercising, how much water are you drinking, how much caffeine um, do we have a vitamin D deficiency that we need to be treating? Um, so it's, it's hard to give recommendations when I don't have the whole history from, from you and your... Man, vitamin D is important, isn't it? It is. It is very important. It also has some anti-inflammatory effects. But good vitamin D levels has also been found to be protective against COVID. And it's interesting. It, it seems like a, a lot of the issues that have been texted in, the end result, if not treated, is more of that depression. I mean, that, that's just depression it looks like can be the result of so many different things. It can, which is why you need to be coming regularly to your doctor so that we can screen you. And what other types of screening should be done on a regular basis? Uh, Screening for blood pressure, um, screening for high cholesterol. If you're a woman, getting your regular pap smears, mammograms. Um, There's screening for men as well. 
Um, colonoscopy is recommended at age 45, so we, they just lowered the age to, for everyone to get a colonoscopy at age 45. Um, lung cancer screening, if you have a significant history of smoking, we start lung cancer screening at age 55. Um, bone uh, scans treat or scan for um, osteoporosis or thinning of the bone, and we start that on women. It depends on what age and their personal history, but most have to have it by age 65. All right, and again, Dr. Crowder on air with us this morning. If you have a question, we have a few more minutes left and can try to fit it in. Our number is 615-893-1450. This uh, next question here, it says, are you seeing any new strange viruses that don't yet have a name? It says, because my son caught a virus that caused blistering in his ears, nose, and throat, and that... His pediatrician, it says, did not have a name for it, but said that he had seen cases like this recently, but had never seen it in the past up until, it sounds like, up until COVID came around, even though it sounds like in this case, the child doesn't have COVID, but has blisters in the ear, nose, and throat area. Okay. Um, So viruses, there are a whole host of them, and we don't have a name for every single virus, I'm sure. But what it sounds like to me could be a variant of hand, foot, mouth, which is caused by uh, the Coxsackie virus. Um, and you can get um, blisters in the ear or, or even on the eardrum. You can get blisters on your hands, in your mouth, on your nose. So it sounds like it might have been something along those lines. Um, and it's hard to treat a virus. We don't have – so antibiotics are not going to work for – viruses they work against bacteria so for viruses we just have symptomatic care so ibuprofen tylenol making sure we stay hydrated um, and just letting the virus take its course and again you said hand foot and mouth Hand, foot mouth mm-hmm. okay most common in children um, and it can you can have blisters on your hands your feet and in your mouth um, you can even have it around your um if they're young uh, and they have a rash or a diaper rash that had just started, you can get uh, a bad diaper rash with hand, foot, mouth, um, and you can certainly get it in your ear. So it might have been a similar virus to that. And somebody just texted in, yes, hand, foot, and mouth, definitely a problem within daycares. Huh, I didn't know that. It is. So little kids, they're just they're germy. Um, they don't do very well with washing their hands, and they're snotty, and they're just touching everything. So daycares... If you have your child in daycare, expect them to have multiple uh, viral illnesses um, over the course of the year. Uh, sounds like a, a handful for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. This next question here, do you think using less salt, which contains iodine, could be the cause of more thyroid problems? It can. So you need iodine for your thyroid in order for you to make certain hormones uh, for your thyroid. Um, that's not too much of an issue in our country because so much of our salt is or does contain iodine. If you're specifically buying, you know, iodine-free salt or you're not eating any sort of processed food, then you would need to supplement with iodine. Um, but in our country, we don't see um, iodine deficiency being a cause for thyroid issues here. And uh, the person in regards to the rash in the back of the throat, it says, is this a problem within high schools as well where kids are getting hand, foot, and mouth? Yes, so anyone can get hand, foot, mouth. Adults adults can get hand, foot, mouth, and it's highly contagious. Um, So you can get it anywhere. Um, 
But again, ibuprofen, Tylenol, making sure that you're keeping them hydrated so when you have a viral illness, uh, liquids are going to be more important than eating. So if appetite is down, that's okay. But as long as we're drinking water um, or, you know, maintaining hydration with popsicles if they're small and they don't want to drink anything, you can do that too. All right. Uh, next question here. Low potassium, what causes this to come back so often? Low potassium as an issue. Low potassium. Uh, so sometimes that's a um, dysregulation in your, your body. Um, sometimes it's just a lab error. And there are some medications that cause low potassium. Um, so we have to, if we start you on a medicine and we know that it's going to cause an electrolyte imbalance, we do need to routinely be checking your electrolytes. Um, but most people, their potassium is normal if they're not on any sort of medication that could be um, dropping it. All right. Again, our guest this morning, Dr. Jessica Crowder uh, with Ascision Medical Group, St. Thomas, New Salem office. That is on the New Salem Highway across from Publix. As we kind of wrap up this morning, uh, are there any other issues out there that you are seeing more of in Rutherford County? And how do we go about fighting those issues, such as, for example, the common flu or the common cold? Are, are things like that coming back? Yeah, so the flu is definitely coming back. We need to be making sure that you're getting your flu vaccine every year. So no vaccine is 100%. So if you get the vaccine, doesn't mean that you can't get the flu, um, but it reduces your risk. And it certainly, if you did get the flu, your course would be less severe. Um, and the flu can still be deadly. So making sure you're having good hand hygiene, so washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, um, can certainly help decrease your risk for getting any sort of viral infection. Some folks say, well, I don't want to use too much hand sanitizer because I want my body to be able to fight back different bacteria. Is there any truth in that? There is truth in that. So we're in young children, um, we're seeing an increase in allergies, asthma, eczema, and we're certainly seeing that more in our country now. In undeveloped countries, they're not seeing the same thing because we are super clean in our country. So everything has been cleaned. We don't really let our kids play in dirt anymore. Um, so there is an element that, yes, you do need to strengthen your immune system through regular play. And, you know, kids are putting dirt in their mouth. They're putting bugs in their mouth. Uh, my child, I have a nine-month-old. He just tried to eat uh, a bug in our house. It was very <laughs> gross. But that does help the immune system strengthen. But I don't think that using hand sanitizer routinely is going to really change much of that. But if, you've been, if you're out and about where you know there's going to be a lot of people, certainly we need to be using hand sanitizer to reduce your risk of catching anything, catching a virus. Now, if you're at home, you don't need to be using it as frequently because you're at your house, you're at with your family. I use hand sanitizer all day, every day, and I think I have a pretty good immune system. Again, our guest today has been Dr. Jessica Crowder with Ascision Medical Group, St. Thomas, New Salem office. Thank you for joining us today. We're already out of time. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely. Time right now, 9 o'clock. You're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro. WGNS's Ron Jordan comes your way right now with local news.